Hey, good morning, Harvest. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and go to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 14, where we're going to be this morning as we continue in this series called Anchored. And this morning as we look at what does it look like to be anchored in Christ alone? Now, I know we just finished the time in worship, but I, I want to play for you guys a worship song that's been on my uh, phone on repeat for a while now. It's, it's, it's not a new song, but just the words in it have really spoke to me in this season. So I, I want to play that for you right now. The words in that song, they, 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 they're so powerful. They resonate so deeply. And, and I think it's, it's because of this, because in our world right now, in this season, it's so filled with sorrow, so much unrest, so much uneasiness. And, and here's the thing though, just because there's this coronavirus thing, just, just because this whole COVID-19 things around us, listen, it's not any more new that there's sorrow and brokenness in our world. This hasn't shown it any more than it already has been here. That even if COVID wasn't here, cancer is going to come. Miscarriages will still happen. Broken relationships will still happen. And, and the only way we're going we're gonna to be able to get through all those things is, is if we know that Jesus is holding us through every single one of those moments. And, and for us to see, to experience that our lives can be anchored in joy, anchored in hope by a deeper truth that it's Christ alone, that, that Jesus is better. Now, now, with that anchor for our souls, we, we could even get to that place where, where even in suffering, we can rejoice. In sorrows, we can find joy. Why? Because even through those, we, we can see Jesus and feel Jesus in a way we couldn't feel him, didn't know him before the suffering came. But, but, but maybe for others who are, who are listening right now, you, you need to see that Jesus isn't just better than, than your sufferings, isn't your anchor in that, but he's better than your victories. Because you've, you've chased after this victory of success. You've, you've sacrificed, you've spent your life to achieve, to accomplish, to, to have power or, or success or, or comfort. And, and now you're sitting around thinking, man, is this all there is to life? You see, Isaiah 26, 8, it says this. It says, oh Lord, we wait for you. Your name and fame are the desire of our souls. What's Isaiah saying? He's saying the, the anchor of our life, the anchor for the Christian is this, that my joy, my satisfaction is found in Christ alone. It's, it's this eternal truth and it's also a call for us. 
It's a truth that, that our joy and our desires and our satisfaction are found in Christ alone. That, that Listen, the truth is this. His name and his fame will fill the universe. I mean, eternal joy and satisfaction is a guaranteed promise for those who put their hope in him alone. And Revelation 5.9 says this, speaking of Jesus, you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Listen, through Christ alone, through his substitutionary death, through his victorious resurrection, there is a true hope. And the global glory of Jesus is not a maybe, but in the end, there'll be no more competing kings. There will be no competing thrones. There'll be no competing idols of our hearts. That's our future. That's the truth. But the call is also this. It's what we pursue now. That there's nothing more important in your life, nothing more important in my life than finding our joy and our satisfaction in Christ alone. That God's designed our souls, our hearts in such a way where we can't be fully satisfied in winning promotions. We can't be fully satisfied in a comfortable life. We can't be fully satisfied piling up all these riches for ourselves. But instead, he's designed our hearts in such a way that our souls can only find true joy, can only be fully satisfied in Jesus, anchored in Christ alone. In, in knowing Jesus, in experiencing Jesus, and in knowing that Jesus, you are better than anything this world has to offer. I love Psalm 16, 11. It says this, in your presence, talking to God, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are, listen, pleasures forevermore. I mean, there's our joy that, that the Christian life begins when there's this supernatural act of God in you. When you lay down your life and say, Lord, I'm all yours. And, and you're born again to this new life that, that, that your heart now can see where its greatest joy can be found. And, and because you're transformed, you now live for his name, for his fame. You live to know him. That, that's what being a Christian is. And, and anything else, searching for your joy and anything else is a wasted life for the Christian. Now, I can imagine you, you could be thinking, that depending on the kind of church maybe you grew up in, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It sounds like you're saying that, that Christ alone, being saved in Christ alone, then living for Christ alone, that it's about joy. It's about seeking joy. But, but, but I thought Jesus says, deny yourself to take up your cross. That does not seem joyful. It doesn't seem like I'm seeking joy. I, I should be seeking to deny myself. I should be seeking to take up my cross. Now, Jesus does say to deny yourself. What's he saying? He says, don't put your hope, don't put your satisfaction, don't, don't place your desires in yourself, but, but instead die to that. Die with Christ and then be raised again to a new life because right after Jesus says, deny yourself and take up your cross, he says, because whoever tries to save their life, wh whoever seeks after joy in anything but him, he says, you're gonna lose your joy, you're gonna lose your life. But if you lose your life for Jesus, when you die with Christ and are raised again in him, he says, you gain it all, all the joy, all the desire, all the satisfaction, all the hope that at your right hand are, are pleasures forevermore. Jesus is saying, listen, don't throw away an eternity of joy for just a short life of self-indulgence. I mean, he's assuming when he says that, he's assuming that we're not dumb. 
That, that we wouldn't, that we, that we would, we would trade everything this world offers to have joy in him forever. So let's look at Mark 14 this morning really quickly. And let, let's see how this is practically lived out. What's it look like to live in this joy, to pursue after this joy of Jesus, you're better than anything else. That it's in Christ alone, I have this. Because the problem for us today is that it can be so hard to believe that our joy can be full. We, we struggle to believe that Jesus actually is better. It, it's why I love that song that we started with. I, I love the line that says this, make my heart believe. Here's the truth, you are better. Make my heart believe it. God, make my heart believe that Jesus is better. And I would say even right now where I'm not believing it, God, would you, would you change my heart? So I could see that, that Jesus, you are better than my sorrows. You are better than my victories, my comforts, riches. Because listen, for the life of a Christ follower, it boils down to this. Do you believe that Jesus is better? Is it really Christ alone? I mean, this reality, it's, it's the only anchor for your soul in troubled times. It's, it's the only anchor for your soul in, in, in richness and, and success. It's, it's the only anchor that, that shows you that you truly are a follower of Christ. Do you believe that Jesus is better? Maybe even right now, you, do, do you sense that, that in your life, Jesus is calling you to do something? Maybe right now, he's calling you to trust in him for something in your life. Maybe right now he's calling you to rest in him. Maybe now he's calling you to change something in your life, to pursue something and, and God's calling you but, you, but you're fearful. Maybe you're afraid of what it'll cost you. I mean, what, what will it mean for my life if I say yes to that? How, how drastically will my life change if I obey that? If, if I really pursue what he's awakened my heart to, if, if I pursue all my joy in Christ alone. I mean, what's it look like for my life to display what my heart says it believes, that Jesus is better, that it really is my soul anchored in Christ alone? Look at Mark chapter 14. First couple verses, it says this. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him, Jesus, by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. So what's going on? We're, we're entering into Jesus' last week on earth, and, and he's about to be crucified. Everyone's plotting to kill him right now. And, and in front of that backdrop of darkness, we see this beautiful shining light. Look at verse three. It says, while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. Now what's going on here in, in John's account in the gospel of John in chapter 12, we get more details about what's going on here. And this is actually a party that's being thrown for Jesus. And, it, and it's, it's Mary and Martha and Lazarus throwing this party. And they're throwing this party because they're thanking Jesus for raising Lazarus from the dead. All right, for sure, you'd be throwing a party if you or, or if your brother was brought back from the dead by Jesus. And, and they're throwing this party for Jesus in his honor, and they're doing it at this house of this guy called Simon the leper. Tough nickname to have, right? 
Uh, likely this is a guy who's also healed by Jesus, right? And he's a part of, I want to throw that party too because my life has been radically changed. He's not Simon the leper. Currently, he wouldn't be a leper or else he would not be able to throw a party and invite everybody over. So here they all are, all these people. And, and, and I would guess this, Martha, Mary's sister's probably in the kitchen getting all the food ready for the party, right? Putting together the most amazing meals. The, the disciples would have been there. And I, I can just picture Peter, right? Just talking it up, going, Simon! You're out of quarantine, man. You look great. Like way better when your skin was falling off. Like you're, you're looking good in Lazarus. Man, remember when you were dead? That was awesome. And now you're, you're alive. I mean, what's it, what's it like to come back from the dead? What's it like to know you're going to die again? Okay, awkward, but the party's going on, right? And, and all this is happening in the midst of all this celebration and conversation. Mary walks in. And we know from John's account that it's Mary, Lazarus' sister, and, and she's going to do something that's going to cause this party to come to an abrupt stop. Like, like the music stops, the conversation ends, you hear a plate smashing to the floor in the background, everyone's staring in shock and horror by what happens. L look at verse 3 again. And he, Jesus, was reclining at table. A woman, this is Mary, came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Now you might think in that moment, everybody in the party would have stopped because they would go, wow, how awesome of Mary to do that. That was so beautiful. Well done, Mary. But look what happens. Verse four. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. Here, she's poured out this nard. Another word for it is called spike nard. It's this, this perfumed oil. It comes from a, a flowering plant that's found in the Himalayas. You, you can imagine why this is so expensive. It says that she had over 300 denarii worth of this stuff. You're like, oh, of course, 300 denarii. I get what that is. Like, who knows what that is, right? But maybe in your Bible, you've got little footnotes. There's a little number beside there where you go down to the bottom and you, and you see what it means. And what's it say? What's it say at the bottom there? This one denarii is worth one day's wage. So over 300 denarii of, of ointment. So, so pretty much a year's salary. So, so put yourself in Mary's shoes right here. You have this ointment, this, this, this perfume, and it's a year's salary. I mean, how long would it take you to save that up? You'd be skimping and saving year after year after year until you have that much, a year's worth saved up in your, in your savings account. And she pours all of it out on Jesus. And the people at the party, some of them are saying, what in the blankety blank are you doing? I'm telling you, it's in the Greek, man. It's right. These, they were indignant. There was a, a level of anger in them about this. See, this would be her life savings. This was Mary's financial security. If, if something terrible were to happen, if war would come or sickness or famine or something would come where, 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 where she wasn't able to work, the, 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 there was this security in this. There was a safety in this. There was her life in this and she breaks it open and pours it out on Jesus. I mean, can you imagine loving someone that much? Listen, this, this right here in this moment, this is Mary living a life of Christ alone. This is Mary saying so clearly, Jesus, you are better. 
Jesus, this is the most precious thing I have. This is the most valuable thing that I own and I'm giving it to you. This was my security. This was my hope. This was what calmed my fears when I would worry about the future. This was my joy and my satisfaction. This is what I held on to. But Jesus, you're my security. You're my hope. You're my greatest joy and satisfaction. Jesus, you are better. If you this morning, let me ask you this. What's your alabaster flask? What's the thing most precious to you? What's your most valuable? What's the thing in your life? If, if it was taken away today, you would lose all sense of safety and security and hope. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's your retirement plan, your bank account. Maybe, maybe it's a relationship you have. Maybe it's the control that you have on things. It's something about your comfort. And Jesus is saying here, he's saying, listen, I'm better I'm better than your health. I'm better than your wealth. There's a greater joy. There's an anchor of hope that nothing in this world can come close to. There's nothing better in life than me, Jesus says. And here, everyone's getting after Mary saying, what are you thinking? Do you know what we could have done with that that $50,000, that $60,000, that $100,000, whatever that would be for you, that year's salary, and, and all everyone could see was the perfume, but listen, all that Mary could see was Jesus. When's the last time people thought you were so nuts for how you poured out your love and your joy and your hope and your satisfaction for Jesus? something you gave up where people could not figure it out. A joy that you had in the midst of circumstances where a world watching in would say, how can you have joy today? How could you have hope today? Here's the thing, Mary doesn't stop there. You see, in, in John's account, when you read how John lays out what happens here. We also see that after she pours this perfume on Jesus, she also bent down to Jesus' feet and started wiping his feet with her hair. She's already said, as she poured this out, she's already said, Jesus, you can have all that I own. And now as she lets out her hair, she says, Jesus, you can have all that I am too. You see, this is a, a, an Eastern culture. And in this culture at this time, a woman would keep her hair tied up. It, it would be hidden. She would never let it down in public, only in the privacy of her home. For for most women, only their husband would see it. But when you've seen the king in his beauty, when you've seen the pearl of great price, when, when the eyes of your heart and soul are opened like Mary's and you've seen Jesus in all his glory, when Jesus shows up, it's like the stars can't be seen any longer because the sun has come out and you have a, a whole new spiritual accounting process where you're going, no, let, let me see what is worthy and what is not worthy. Let me see how things are valuable and, and those things that seem valuable to you, those, those things that seem to really have your heart, they now become dispensable. You see, the the first time when Jesus truly explodes in your life with this transformation, with this healing, with this redemption, everything changes. And and the things that you felt were so important for your security. 
when they begin to fade in the light of Jesus' glory and grace, you become courageous, you become joyful, you become satisfied and hopeful and faith-filled and loving and not fearful of anything. I mean, don't you want to be a, a people like that? Following Christ, it's like this seed that dies. But then through the, the death of the seed, something new and greater is growing. And, and so, yes, we deny ourselves. Yes, we take up our cross because, because through that comes life. It's, it's where true joy and, and ultimate satisfaction and identity and purpose, it's there that we're anchored, that ultimately, listen, God doesn't want your things. God wants you. As Mary wipes Jesus' feet with her hair, she's giving all that she was. Love and joy and grace had exploded in her heart to the point where she couldn't even give a rip about social etiquette. She didn't care what people thought. She didn't care what people said. All she could see was Jesus. So here she is at the feet of Christ saying, Jesus, this is the best of me. I mean, there's so much humility on display here. So, so much love here, so much trust. Christ, I, I'm here with you. I, I don't care what's going on around me. They can't touch me. Jesus, this is all that I have. This is all that I am. Now, now Jesus sees to the heart of what's going on and he actually sees there's something deeper going on here. Look, look at verse six. Jesus said to the people scolding her, Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you and whenever you want, you can go do good for them, but you will not always have me. She's done what she could. She's anointed my body beforehand for burial. Jesus says, leave her alone. Mary understands something you don't. She understands the unbelievable gift of Jesus' presence. She, she gets the worth of Christ in this moment. You see, when Jesus says this, when he talks to those who are, who are getting after scolding her in John's account, in Matthew's account of this, we, we see that he's really talking to, to Judas. Judas was the one most vocal about, we could have used that money for the poor. But, but when Judas was talking about the poor, he, he was actually saying that to cover up his own greed because Judas was stealing the money. Judas wants the money. He, he doesn't want Jesus. Mary valued Jesus. Her joy and her satisfaction was in Christ alone. Mary got that Jesus was the resurrection and the life. She saw Jesus had raised her brother Lazarus as proof that, that he was the way of life, that in Christ alone, they, they can find true and eternal life. It's, it's, it's not in our works. It's not in what we do. It's in him alone, to trust in him alone, to trust in his death on the cross in our place alone, to trust in his resurrection. You see, she pours out this perfume, this nard, and this perfume actually had a specific use in this time. It was used in burials. And why'd they do that? Well, listen, I, I kind of get a picture of this because my, my dog right now, my dog just has this habit of finding dead animals wherever they might be and rolling in them. And for some reason, she loves the smell of death. For her, that's perfume, right? Nobody else loves it. it it's a horrible stink, the smell of death. It's so potent. And, and so they would use this perfume, this aroma of, of nard was so powerful, so beautiful, it would cover up the very stink of death. 
That's what Mary poured out on Jesus. Why? Because Mary knew Jesus was going to die. Her trust, her hope, her love, her gratitude, her satisfaction was in his death, in his resurrection, in his life. See, Jesus has been talking over and over again about the fact that he was going to die and Mary knew that. Mary believed that, but she also believed this, that Jesus was more than just a man who was dying for her. She believed that he was God the Son, that he was there to triumph over sin and death. So what do you do for a person who does that for you? I mean, how do you treat somebody who brings you eternal life? How do you you treat somebody who gives you joy unspeakable, pleasures forevermore? Do you hold back? Do you hedge your bets? Do you worry about his love for you? And can I actually trust him? Is he going to actually care for me? And Jesus, sorry, Mary shows the, the only proper way to treat a person like this. She gives him everything that she has. She gives him everything that she is. And she just worships. She pursues, listen, she pursues her greatest joy. And then Jesus says this in verse nine, Jesus says, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Here we are, 2000 years later, doing that very thing. Jesus saying, look at this, what she did is so beautiful. It's gonna be remembered. Why? Jesus saying this, it's beautiful when the affections of my people are matching with my worthiness when our love and our joy poured out on Christ matches his worthiness of them. So Harvest, listen, listen. If if any voice raises up, like the voices in this party, if any voice raises up and tells you to moderate, limit your love for Jesus, don't listen to them. Let your affections for Christ be, be huge, abundant, If any voice tempts you to to put your hope, to to, to pursue after riches and money and power and comfort, don't, don't listen. Jesus is your riches. All that money and comfort and fame and power, none of it can compare to him. If if any voice is speaking to you to tell you that his death is anything less than a triumph over death, don't listen. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him, though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever believes in him shall never die. Listen, what do we see here? That Jesus ultimately doesn't want your things. Listen, he wants you. He wants your joy in him. And the hardest thing to give, though, the hardest thing for us to give is in. The hardest thing for us to give is to give in. But when you understand who Jesus is, that that he's better, that he wants you to experience joy found in him, listen, what do you do? You give in. You humbly rest at his feet, in his presence. You see Mary here at his feet. It's the humblest place to be. It's It's a trusting place to be. You know, when this whole COVID thing first hit, I'd heard this story. I think I shared it online in a devotional about this tourist who was, who was traveling, I think, in Ireland, and, and they were watching a shepherd one day. And then the shepherd was doing, uh, as they have to do every so often, he was picking up every sheep one by one and, and 
pressing the sheep into this vat of antiseptic, having to push their heads under. And I'm sure their sheep's eyes would sting as they go under, their ears would sting, and he had to push them under. And why is he doing it? He's doing that because he knows that unless he puts them in this antiseptic, that, the, that they're going to be sick. Parasites are going to take over. They, they would become ill. They would get infections. But here, here's the thing. As he's doing that, the sheep don't know that. All they know is, man, why is the shepherd doing this to me? Why is he putting me in this awful stuff? And so what did they do? The sheep were fighting and snarling and kicking. And the, and the tourist thought to herself, if only the sheep knew the purpose. But the sheep never would, though. They never would understand, right? Instead, what did they have to do? They had to trust the hand and the heart of the shepherd who had always cared for them. In fact, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I know whom I've believed. He doesn't say, I know what Jesus is up to as Paul's in prison again, as he's shipwrecked, as he's starving, as he's bitten by a snake, as he's being whipped and beaten. He didn't say, I know what Jesus is up to. What does he say? He says, I know whom I have believed. Our joy and our peace and our hope and our satisfaction come in that knowledge. And listen, I think Mary knew that same joy. Why? Because all through scripture, whenever you see Mary, she's always in the same place. She's at the feet of Jesus. She, she's, Jesus is over at their house at another time. Martha's in the kitchen again, making food. Where's Mary? She's at his feet listening to Jesus. When her brother Lazarus dies in John 11, we see them coming to Jesus and it's Mary who falls at his feet weeping. And here at this party, where is she again? At the feet of Christ. All the while being transformed by him. All the while being changed by Christ. Getting a, a fuller, clearer view of Jesus. Until it becomes the most natural thing for her to give everything to Christ. Why? I know whom I believed. So listen, listen, as, as we apply this, this, this text to our lives, it can't be this. Well, I'm going to be a Mary and I'll give Jesus everything. Listen, if that's your application, you won't make it. It won't last. How did Mary get to that point? She sat at Jesus' feet. So I would say this, get, get in a place of humility. Daily being a place of listening to Christ, being in his word, being in prayer. And as you find yourself there, as you rehearse the gospel, the good news that Christ has loved you, that you're more sinful than you could ever admit to anybody, but more loved by Christ than you could ever believe. As you sit in that, as you listen to his word, as you hear Christ every day, you'll come to see that your joy, your satisfaction is in Christ alone. I'm telling you, little by little, you'll, you'll feel him changing you. you. You'll feel him transforming you so that you begin to believe Jesus is better. It becomes the most natural thing in the whole world, the most joyful thing for you to surrender everything to him, to trust him with your tomorrow. Why? Because listen, Jesus didn't hold back. See, Christ lavishly, extravagantly gave his love to us. He gave the best of all he had, the best of all he is. And on the cross, Jesus was this true alabaster flask that was broken and poured out for us. So if you're a believer here today, there ought to be this, this lingering smell of Jesus about you, a, a joy about you, that, that, that Jesus is better. 
that in Christ alone I've anchored my soul. Everything else might give away. But even in sorrow, I'm going to learn to trust the hand of the shepherd, that that he's for my joy, he's for my satisfaction, that, that in my victories and blessings, none of them come close to the joy and satisfaction I have in Christ alone. So even now, listen, as we close, let's go to the feet of Jesus. Let's ask Jesus to change us, to transform us, to do as that worship song at the beginning of the message says, make my heart believe this. Believe, Jesus, that you are better, that in Christ alone I have my joy. I mean, let's pray for that. Let's pray for that miracle to grow in us, that, that we can grow in this joy. No, not on our own, but, but when we begin to, to remember that, that God saved you and that, that same God who saved you, that same God who, who awakened your heart to this joy is able to continue to awaken your heart today to embrace this truth that Jesus is better. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Father, thank you that you did not hold anything back. You gave everything. The very best that you had. The very best that you were. Heavenly Father, that you broke Jesus. You poured him out for us so that we could look like him. Lord, we, we want to smell like Jesus. We, we want the, the, to do the things that Jesus did. We want to say the things that Jesus said. We want to point the whole world to the joy we have, to this person of Jesus Christ, that the, the name and the fame of Jesus, the Savior, the Son of God, the King of Kings, that he would be our greatest desire. Lord God, we want to know that today. That nothing else is more important than that. That, Lord Jesus, you are better than everything else. Lord, we know it's true. Would you make it so? Would you make our hearts believe this? And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 